Destiny 2 Lightfall is coming to PS4 and PS5, so we invited a pair of expert guests to the studio to chat new powers, a new planet, and a new raid. Welcome to this special bonus episode of the PlayStation Access Podcast. Hello and welcome to the PlayStation Access Podcast, the official podcast of PlayStation UK, where today... I am your host, Robert Pearson, and I am joined by three very special guests. Well, actually, two special guests and Nathan. Nathan is making his PlayStation Access podcast debut today. But more excitingly than that, (laughs) we are also joined by Zoe and Bife, our Destiny 2 experts. Welcome. It's so good to have you on the podcast. Hi. Likewise. It's great to be here. Uh, Now, the reason we have Zoe and Bife with us today is because... This is a special podcast. Lightfall, the new expansion for Destiny 2, is releasing on the 28th of February on PS4 and PS5. I think it's probably the most exciting expansion that has come to Destiny 2, maybe ever. Um, But it's certainly the most excited I have been about Destiny for a very long time. And we thought it'd be great to, to chat to you both about your experiences with the whole series, but also get your take on Lightfall and, and why it's such a big deal for Destiny. Um, so we'll be talking a little bit about that, but we'll also be um, talking about yourselves, your your own personal journey with the series, um, what it what it means to you personally and, and, and how it's, you know, grown over the years and, and become the game that it is today. Um, because Nathan and I are both sort of lapsed players. We used to play many, many years ago. Um, and I know Bife in particular... You know a lot about the law, which goes completely over my head quite a lot of the time. I, I, I know a little, just just a bit, <laughs> just a wee bit. And we also have an interview with James Sai, the creative director at Bungie as well. Nathan, you spoke to James Sai earlier in did. the week. Yep. Um, so there's that to look forward to. Um, but I think we should just dive straight in. Um, Zoe, let's start with you. So how did you, can you remember the first time you played Destiny and what was it about the game that made you want to embark upon the journey that you have taken? Um, I remember making my first character. I made a warlock first. Yes. I'm a, ti- yes. I'm a titan main, so don't say yes for too oh, long. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a warlock. I started on warlock, um, just the one character. Um, I don't really remember like my first, like just normal missions and stuff, but what got me into it was m- my first raid. I did Vault of Glass and I was like, oh my God, you can go fight a boss with like five other people too. Like, and all do these different things that like make it work, do the mechanics, do the damage together, do all those things. And that just drew me in. I was like, oh, I like this. I can socialize and play at the same time. That was the thing for me, like the Vault of Glass raid. I remember, I remember doing it with you, Nath. Um, we sort of were we were dragged through it by people who knew what they were doing yeah, but I remember yeah. when it first came out it was like for me anyway like I hadn't had much experience with, with MMOs or like big social multiplayer games at that point and this like the, the challenge of it was was, ama- was amazing like Bife can you remember doing the Vault of Glass raid and, and what it was like for you when you first did it oh gosh uh, I think first doing it and then first doing it successfully are two different stories first doing it is struggling at Templar and <laughs> first doing it successfully was basically messaging Datto and being like hey can you and the math class guys please help <laughs> <laughs> but nah I, you know that, that piece of content is totally a gateway for so many Destiny players and I feel like everybody has their fond memories inside Vogue I uh, I personally have spent far too many hours in both D1 and D2 
playing that raid, but that's just the nature of the great endgame content when it really hooks you mm -hmm. and you truly do appreciate the depth of it. It's, I mean, there's nothing else quite like it, you know? I think, for, I think, Vault of Glass again, I think you're right, Rob, and the reason that it kind of st stuck with me, it was really like, that was Destiny revealing what it could be in its depths. And, and I think being co just console players, you know, and I'd played a little bit of, um, I think I'm okay to say World of Warcraft was kind of my experience of doing more, um, I guess like complicated um, like mechanics and uh, within a game like that where a team really has to come together. But putting that into, you know, the reason I wanted to play Destiny is because it looked cool and I like shooting stuff. Um, and then you come up against um, a bit of, um, you know, a bit of a game like um, an experience like Vault of Glass and it kind of it puts those two things together. And let me tell you, you kind of talk about socialising, sorry, within the game. There was no time, I, I think, you know, like our caveman console shooter brains were so like for me and the team that did it, first of all, we were like headbutting the mechanics of that raid so hard. It was like, there was no chatting going on. It was just like, what are we doing? How do we do it? <laughs> so for me, that was like, you know, these two just completely different ways of thinking and approaching a game, like colliding and going, okay, something different is going on here for sure. So, so do you like to, do you like to play the raid sort of like as soon as they drop? Or yeah. like that sort of like that initial challenge of actually trying to figure out just what the heck you have to do to get through it. Like, um, I, which I suck massively at, <laughs> but I'm wondering if, if either of you two have any sort of memories of going through that process of actually figuring out, okay, what, what on earth do we have to do to get through this? Um, ever since Crota's End, the uh, second raid in Destiny, I've run with a day one team. We've been, not done any world first nonsense, but on a regular basis, I'll end up getting a day one clear. And nowadays, the amount of prep that goes into that is very much sophisticated. And doing it on day one is still one of the most rewarding experiences that I think a Destiny player can have. And I, <laughs> I mean, the last experience that we had, which was a true fresh day one, was Vow of the Disciple for Witch Queen. And I mean, there is nothing quite like any of the individual raids that you'll play, but it's always fun to sit there and be like, okay, so this time there are 24 symbols and we're gonna need to do them in groups of three and they're gonna be recurring and we need our own system for naming things. How are we gonna go ahead and make sure all of this is down? Okay, we, we're gonna have a system here, something new, <laughs> ped off into three teams of two, one person needs to be guarding whatever, you know, like. The entire point of a day one raid is to engage in that complexity and engage in that beautiful piece of content when it first drops and when it's really, really tough. I, that's an experience I wouldn't trade off for anything, even though it is pretty brutal on the first few moments when you get through it. What about you, Zoe? Do you have a similar kind of um, approach? Raiding is my thing. Like, <laughs> I love raiding. That's what I do most days. Um, well, I don't do day ones most days, obviously. Yeah. They don't come out most days. Um, like, I just help other people do raids and do, like, challenges in raids and stuff. So day one raids is the biggest challenge you can do. So, yeah. It's... Do, do you have, like, a, <clears throat> do you have a team you go back to and it's kind of like, okay, this is my day one team? Uh, no, I don't have a set team. I've um, done it with, like, groups of friends, maybe with a more hardcore team who's super into it, trying to go for a placement and stuff like that. But in my experience, it's more fun with just going in with your friends. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I'd have to be friends in order for people to put <laughs> yeah. up with me during a day one. Yeah, you uh, might not attempt. be friends after that. People fall <laughs> yeah. out a lot on day one. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing that really, I think, for, for me, that Destiny... It's given me memories that, um, and certainly gameplay experiences that I've not had with any other sort of game or series. And it is, like what you were saying there, Bife, with the with the sort of communication... And the words you sort of like 
invent and figure out. And, you, and I guess every sort of um, team or raid team that if, if, you, if, you ha- if you have a raid team that you go back to again and again, you'll just re- invent almost like your own language of communication, oh, yeah. the, your own shorthand for for communicating and making sure everyone's on point. Because like, and I just find that stuff like really fascinating. Like you, you just don't get that very much in games and especially even with destiny 2 once you've figured out how to do it like raids become very much sort of like okay we're gonna do it everyone knows their job everyone's but that that sort of day one experience i like i've never done it because i just i'm not you know i'm not on the the front lines of them but when they come out like i you know i'd love to sort of dig into what it actually feels like the, the thrill of going through that first time by it sounds amazing i think that they've made they've really narrowed in on the experience now that they keenly understand and have almost been doing it for 10 years just the thrill that you talk about and i don't think it's quite tangible unless you truly immerse yourself in the story i i'm gonna go back to vow because it's one of my favorite examples of it but on vows day one you sat there and as you opened up the raid it's this moment where you're entering a part of savathun's throne world you've never gone to before it's a darkness pyramid that's sunken into the bog And it's clear that this is part of the throne world that is corrupted and controlled by something else. Mara talks to you and says, there's this ominous, dangerous entity inside the pyramid. You will be most done. And then she gets cut off by the raid boss, who just has this ominous voice. And he says, welcome, children of light. Rise from the deep or drown in it. And it's from that moment on, him narrating you as you go through the raid... And the lead up to that boss called Rulk is one of the most staggering things I've ever experienced in a raid. You know, you have this mysterious entity, something that you've never truly encountered or experienced. The closest thing to Destiny's big bad, the witness that you've ever fought. Something you've only heard in rumours up until this point that's only slightly hinted at in the campaign. And then you finally see that boss emerge at the end of it after you spent maybe 10, 12 hours getting to that point. Mm-hmm. And it's like nothing else. It's a fight for your life. And narratively speaking, it tees it up for you as well. I mean, you know, you go in there and if you're a real Destiny fan, this stuff is like Christmas Day. It's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know of any better way to describe it than that. It's just it, nothing any year will be as special as the Day One raid. So do you have a favorite raid? I like Scourge of the Past. That's not currently in the game, but I'm sure it'll come back at some point. Um, probably the one that's in the game right now between Last Wish and Kingsfall. Kingsfall is the is a D1 raid that got brought back to Destiny 2, so uh, from Destiny course, 1. Right, right, right. Um, and then Last Wish is probably the best raid in the whole Destiny franchise. It's the biggest one. It's the one I think only two teams did uh, oh, yeah. on day one. Mm-hmm. Um, a third team almost did it. Rest in peace, Dado. Twenty four oh two, forever in our hearts. Yeah, like two minutes over the twenty four hours, oh, he got no. it. So. Oh man. Yeah, that was probably the hardest one. It was, um, it was hard mechanically, and you were under leveled, so it was probably the most intricate, complicated raid, and you were under leveled for it. Whereas it's changed, you are really under leveled for it. Now they have contest mode, so you end up being like an exact amount under leveled every single time. Right. So I suppose you can kind of get used to it. You're the same under leveled in GMs, Grandmasters too. But 
Last Wish was like the last time where you could go in really underleveled. Like you yeah. could be 50 under and oh. just like mm. things would have swords above the head, which means you can't really damage them that much. Right. And, okay. and if mm. and if you are 50 under, which is what a lot of people were for that, it changes to a skull to indicate, yeah, you really shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> you, you literally can't <laughs> damage it. Yeah. And so, and so like I, I know obviously Bife's channel is um, and, and his, uh, your approach and, and obviously the enjoyment you get from the raid is kind of comes from that story. And for you, Zoe, is it, is it I mean, obviously story plays a big part are you more of a kind of a player who's uh seeing what you can do in terms of like how quickly you can get through a raid understanding mechanics pulling them apart or do you get joy from like helping people through a little bit or like what's your uh both those things really i um i like helping people through i like teaching people um like i recently taught a girl she'd only got a playstation two weeks before that like her first ever console first ever time oh, gaming man. two okay. weeks She'd been playing. I took her through a raid on her first ever time. Okay, that's a pretty good. That yeah. is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So I like doing stuff like that. I've, I've took lots of people from like children to older people who like might not have done this stuff before because like games weren't like this before years ago. Yeah, being able to do like proper mechanics and all big. Well, there was wow what you mentioned before, but that yeah, was not yeah. not even like that wasn't as mainstream as like this can be because it's on everything so. that's the thing i think the players that you get trying to do destiny are different from the kind of self-selecting group who'd play something like that on a pc yeah right? yeah so yeah i love this i think this is so cool like this is you just don't get this with you know you're like an actual you're like a, a an actual teacher a guy <laughs> like you just don't get this with many games do you like mm -hmm. people okay i would like to do this thing i'm nowhere near sort of experienced enough or or skillful enough to just work it out on my own and then you get people like you zoe who can be like okay I will take you through this. Like, you know, you're like a, like a music teacher. Sherpas. Or like, yes. you know. It's, Sherpas is the yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. I, li I like, I actually get a lot of joy out of teaching people, like when they get excited after they've done it. And some people like will take people through raid raids and maybe not teach them it, just take them through. Mm. Whereas I like them to be able to like go on and be able to do it after without me right. so i like to teach them how to do it so then just they can do it later make sure they're taking notes that's the yeah <laughs> and doing stuff like that made me better at the game as well because if i'm t teaching people or, or raiding with people who are not necessarily know what to do yet then i'm getting better because i'm not doing one person's job i'm doing like two or three pe people's jobs yeah, which cool. got me into doing like low guardian stuff like i've two manned every raid boss in the game or oh, two right. guardian <laughs> every raid boss in the game which is yes, what yeah. i like to do as well but my main stuff is helping people daily. This all, I don't know about you, Rob, but this like really reminds me, like obviously Rob and I have kind of, we know we flit in and out of Destiny, but the thing which was always so impressive early on was just like the, the layers of it, like what the game could do, because it could be, you know, you turn up once a week and you just, you shoot with your friends and you, you just play the daily, your weekly or whatever you're doing. And then the levels of, the, I mean, the raid is an end game activity. And then like when I heard that someone soloed the raid, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Just, how is it? People How? are playing this. How's it possible? How do you uh, <laughs> a, a lot of tricks and cheese and exploiting <laughs> mechanics yeah, that no, may or may not be intended to be used that way, and <laughs> a lot of finicky tricks. I mean, you know. Back in D1, you could solo every single raid boss if you knew how to do it correctly. They've cut down a lot on that in D2, but it's why impressive low man runs still exist. I mean, so you you do stuff that I don't do because it's too hard with with doing a raid with just two people. That's really, really impressive, but that's the level of skill that Core Destiny players have attained now. I was I was actually explaining this to someone the other day who doesn't uh, play, and I was saying there's lots of different ways to play Destiny. You can be as casual as you like. Mm. You can 
go to work all day, be not interested in the story, sorry, Bife, or anything like that. <laughs> and you can log on and just go in a patrol and shoot some ads and then you have some fun, go maybe do some patrols, go do a lost sector, then log off. I know people who like playing it like that. Right, yeah, but yeah. then you can go so to the other end and so deep into it where you're crafting builds. Mm. Like to be able to do that low man stuff and or even help people, you have to be able to think about like what mods you're putting on, sure, sure. what guns you're using, what's currently the meta, what's the best for like people often have like guns that they have their attachments to and their favorite guns and people ask me what's my favorite and stuff i'm like what whatever's the most efficient at the time yeah yeah <laughs> like sure. i like using whatever's best for whatever i'm doing right yeah <laughs> no and i have oh, i still have the gun that i found when destiny 2 launched that i really like that i'll never get rid of so Wh that's, that's a, um uh, is it i don't even know how to pronounce it mida or mida multi-tool mida uh, multi-tool multi yeah. i just like the way i remember it that pops. i remember I used to really just like the Suros regime, just how it looked, and all of our all of our destiny capture on the channel <laughs> always has the Suros regime in it, and the comments are just full of like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> flipping. I just like it. I like how it looks. Um, but yeah, I just ah, oh, I I absolutely love doing the Vault of Glass. I was, you know, I never. I don't think I'm ever going to be at a stage where I'm doing like day one raiding. Um, but I've never had a multiplayer experience like it. Whereas it wasn't like you know, it was a group of six people. It wasn't like, you know, we weren't shouting at each other or anything, but there was like a, a sort of shared determination about it. Um, you know, I was told by people who knew what they were doing, okay, stand there. Your job for this bit is to make sure that thing doesn't get over there. I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing. And it was just, <laughs> it was so unlike anything I've experienced before, that level of community, that level of sort of shared excitement. I remember when Destiny first came out on PS4, I would log in, to PS4 and everyone on my friends list would be playing <laughs> Destiny and I just don't think there's been a game since that has captured like the shared imagination of everyone at the same time it felt like such a cultural event mm. um does it, does it like feel like that for you guys as well yeah like what Bife said earlier about it like DLCs are, well, I don't know if it's the DLC anymore, but expansions, expansions I suppose, yeah. um, like especially one, big ones like Lightfall, it really is like Christmas Day for us. Mm. It, like you get the excitement like you're a child again and you've got all this new stuff coming, like new toys to play with. <laughs> I, I feel as though uh, another thing to tie into that is just, and, and some people will rightly say that this is potentially a weakness of the franchise, but I personally see it as a strength is the fact that Destiny is broad enough that it can be almost anything. I mean, take a look at the last two expansions. You've got Witch Queen and you have Lightfall. Lightfall is essentially neon punk, cyberpunk. You're in this futuristic metropolis on Neptune, ziplining all over the place. It's bombastic. There's going to be a lot of action and there's going to be an apocalyptic story in the background, as we clearly know, thanks to media from all of the lead-up trailers. The Witch Queen is a totally different vibe. You're going to a place that is filled with kind of arcane magic and has the aesthetic of a castle somewhere in the sky. In the background of the narrative, you're seeing what is essentially a massive investigation that almost borders on more of a conspiracy. And it even plays into that because there's even a clue board and an investigative board that you have at one of your social spaces that is literally like, you know, the cork board with red string attached to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And those two vibes aren't even the most disparate things you can have in Destiny. I mean, this is a game where you have something like, say, 
the Iron Lords, which is an Arthurian mythos type of story, clashing with nanotechnology in one of the old expansions in D1. And it just shows you the range of this game. And when you sit there and look at players coming together for a Destiny expansion, it, you know, used the term cultural event. And I think it's correct, but it's also correct because much like a ton of other great universes out there, I think the best example is probably Marvel. You get all of these varied influences that can converge and all of a sudden create something that is greater than the sum of its parts, whether that's in all the different characters or whether it's in the amazing story moments that you might witness, or whether it's just in the amazing gameplay that you will experience. I think that Destiny does this thing of cohesively offering a package together in a universe where it is feasible for a player to exist and to love a certain part of it, even if maybe they're not so enthused by the rest of it, and to really cheer for things. Like me, I'm a huge Osiris fan. Right. Whenever he is on screen, I am cheering for my boy. So that, you know, he's in Lightfall. I'm really excited about that. He's not been in any previous expansions for a while. That's fine. I'm okay with what I got right here and now. But, you know, everybody has their quote-unquote Osiris or yeah, sure. their Saint last wish. There I you like go. Him. The pigeon and the phoenix. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the point is that everyone can attach themselves to something they love in Destiny. And I feel like that's one of its great strengths and helps build that cultural kind of phenomenon that you're talking about. Is it, um, obviously you're sort of known by fair, you know, your sort of lore um, content and sort of like diving deep into the story. And and a lot of that stuff is, you know, it's not immediately obvious. You have to sort of investigate and root around and, and piece all this stuff together. For you, is that something, is that, would you say that's your favourite thing about Destiny? Like, piecing together the narrative i think yes but more specifically when i get those you know red string on the corkboard moments where i do get to sit there and be like hold on a sec there's a connection and i know that it exists my favorite thing is that with most videos that i make or with any content that i'm looking at sure it's very easy to talk about the lore of whatever is going on and whatever's happening my favorite bit is when i get to sit there and be like wait someone else said something different in a law book that was published into the game about five <laughs> years ago and i get to dig up that reference um i think there are some really great examples of that but uncovering the greater mysteries of the narrative is absolutely something amazing i mean i think the bungee is doing a really good job now of actually providing players who are like me and specifically want that narrative with a chase for it in the last two seasons season of the seraphan season of the plunder there's been this big mystery that you could have unraveled before everyone else if you saw all the signs you know in plunder it was all about nezarek and all of the stuff to do with what the relics you were collecting really were and in the season of the seraph it was all about sivu arath and her plan to use the Warsats, which is a major plot point because it it's featured in the season finale uh, and that cutscene is it's one of the most important things that's ever happened to Destiny, even to the point where it replicates the original cover art from D1. You know, talk about a moment that's nearly 10 years in the making. <coughs> so, you know, <laughs> these things are... <laughs> these things are the things you get to investigate and to see, not early, but to sort of theorize about when you get to dig into that narrative. And I think Bungie's done an amazing job of providing that for players. And, you know, like, 
I may be the person who has a big YouTube following that does it, but I know for a fact there are other people out there who would probably have found it at the same time as me, or, you know, potentially even sooner, and just didn't have any platform to share it on, sure, yeah. you know? And I think that's what's great. There's a whole community of people like r slash raid secrets who just investigate this stuff, and they'll look through all the ARGs, and they'll look through all the little bits and all the nooks and crannies, and they'll investigate it all, and they'll find the really cool stuff that pulls a narrative thread together that everyone gets to look at. And it's like, oh my god, that changes everything. We're gonna we're gonna go on to Lightfall in a minute, um, but you, I just want to pick up on something you said there, Bife, about this being something that is you know nearly a decade in the making here. Um, this is a story that has you know is is gearing towards its conclusion now. Um, for you both, having played Destiny all of these years, what does that sort of, like, how would you sort of look back and evaluate the journey of the game and your own personal journey with it? And, and what does it mean to you to know that this this story that we've been on now, as you say, for nearly 10 years, is sort of building up to its conclusion? Um, I think people have been wanting some conclusions to a lot of the stuff for, for quite some time. So I think it's a good thing that some of it's coming to a conclusion and it opens it up for new stuff too. So mm. I'm happy about it personally. Mm. I think it's fair to say that when Destiny started, there was a lot of stumbling. You know, Bungie will admit that themselves. There have been ups and downs throughout the entire journey. But it's fair to say that now that we are starting to see things conclude with Lightfall and eventually the year after this, the final shape, you can really understand why different narrative threads played out the way they did. And I think a lot of things will come full circle, mm -hmm. you know. That's the real satisfaction out of a conclusion like this, and the real satisfaction with playing Destiny is if you have experienced this story for almost a decade, like I have. Like, I think every, it's fair to say, to an extent, like everyone in this room has, you will ultimately be able to look at what's coming up and you'll be able to say, that is special because it has been with me for so long mm -hmm. and whether it's had a relatively minor impact or whether it's had a huge one because you've been playing as a dedicated player there is something that will ultimately reach back into the past and pull that kind of memory of clarity towards the surface it's going to make a bigger impact as a result I, I the fact that it's been where it is for 10 years it makes it very special and that only impacts the narrative in a very subtle but very tangible way, I think I'd say. I've got, I've got a tricky question for you, um, which is I, it's slightly tricky, which is just uh, for, for both of you, which is about that sense of, um, I think Marvel is a really good comparison. Um, it's an ongoing world that you, players become naturally invested in. And I think there's a constant tension that Bungie has to manage. And I think to your point, Bryce, I think they've been doing a, a better job as obviously as, as the game has evolved of creating a sense of continuity but then giving people things you, you want you also want change you want things to and you want climaxes right you want stories mm. to come to a so you it's kind of like balancing a need for conclusion and for these climaxes with kind of what's next and i think you know bungie uh, um we, the reason i think that the marvel comparison is a good one i think you know you talk about um different phases of marvel and and carrying mm -hmm. people along the way and also the fact that if if we're taking that example a bit further, you two are people who are in the cinema for every Marvel movie. <laughs> and, and Rob and I have like, ah, oh, we've seen the Avengers. <laughs> um, and I guess what coming to what looks like a fairly big conclusion of what has been a, a long-running um, storyline or a portion of this world, 
does that make you both as as a, someone very invested in story and lore and then somebody who um, is invested in maybe the game content a bit more just excited for what's next worried about what's next i'm excited like i'm really happy with um they released like an article of like the next year to come type thing and i was reading it i was like i'm happy with that i'm happy with that and that <laughs> and that and that it's just a lot of things that um people have been asking for for a long time like mm. um they talk about making the base game just a little bit more challenging rather than it feeling monotonous and stuff like that having um a refresh of like kind of the base game too like strikes and stuff like that so i think uh as far as the imminent future and to go back to the marginal analogy i i feel as though people are very much going to look forward to it i am very much looking forward to it because uh from the way things are framed narratively speaking and i can't say this for certain because i've not played it but from the way things narratively are framed, uh, if Lightfall is as it's looking, this is going to be this is going to be the Infinity War of everything. And when we get to Final Shape, that's going to be kind of like Avengers Endgame. I feel like we're moving to this moment where all of the characters, all the relationships, all the storylines that we've built over the last eight to ten years are really going to come to a conclusion and come to a fore. And as for what's after that. I mean, I'm excited for the future, even though I don't know what it is. But, you know, Destiny's a game where you can shoot dragons with space lasers, man. You know, you can, you are, you, you can do anything under the sun in this universe. And it makes some kind of narrative sense. You can sit there and you can do almost anything. And it's a world that is quite deliberately packed to the gills with stories. So they could go almost conceivably anywhere after the Light and Dark Saga is done. And honestly, with that variety in tow... Whilst it is a much more big question, I'm just really excited to see what they tackle first. You know, I think we've I think we've covered sort of like their their history, and it feels like we're at a point in the discussion now we are ready to tackle Lightfall itself, which is is for me I think as a as a lapsed player, there's something about Lightfall that is is grabbing me in a way that no expansion for a long while has done. Like I'm like. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back into this now. I think it's time. Like, And I think a lot of people feel the same way. Like, I can feel like I've seen a lot of people online be like, I'm, I'm going to boot Destiny 2 back up now. It's time to, it's time to get back into this now. Um, so, you know, we'll, let's sort of like summarise like the, the obvious exciting stuff. We've got a new setting. We've got a new subclass. We've got new gameplay new powers um of all this new stuff that's coming the new setting the new powers what what to you is like okay that that's exciting i'm I'm ready for that um i'm looking forward to the new subclass obviously a new subclass is always fun and they generally release pretty powerful so they're always fun at the start as well before they get balanced or whatever after that (laughs) (laughs) um there's obvious there's a new raid so that's where i'm looking at my eyes are steady on the new raid that's coming. What's that? March tenth. So that's, yeah. we have not got long to wait for the new raid. Um, so, so in terms, of how do you how do you plot that in? Is your approach going to be? I don't know how hard you hit this stuff. Are you like scrabbling to get to like the bottom of the meta, understand everything, and then like what am I going to bring into the raid? How am I going to do my day one? How, like what, how does that approach work? Well, you get a llot of information beforehand, so we already know what's meta now, and mm. then we get like the the articles released of telling us what's going to be nerfed or buffed or adjusted in any way. So then you can do some guesswork from that. And then when it first comes out, a lot of more hardcore people than me will go and test all that stuff. And then they'll put that information out there and I'll read it. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, like my friends are really into that. Some people in my raid team will be going hardcore in testing in the first few days. Um, like mainly what I do is book time off work and buy a lot of snacks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I do that when I'm not playing Destiny. <laughs> I am, this is going to sound like such a canned answer for the law guy to say, but I'm looking forward to the campaign. You know? <laughs> it's, but, but really, really, I am. They do I well mean, with campaigns. The last one was good. Oh, yeah. The, the Witch Queen legendary campaign set a new bar. I mean... You know, you had a huge antagonist there with Savathun, and they needed to deliver. We needed shocking twists and reveals, and they gave us that in spades and in ways that we weren't expecting. And that was brilliant. But with Lightfall, it's a very different take. And I don't want to do this without giving a spoiler warning to people, so little spoilers for this. In the, in the last Vidoc they published... They literally have a scene of a fleet battle featuring the Pyramid Fleet and the Traveller and all of these ships battling above Earth. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, this is some Mass Effect 3 vibes. I'm here for this. This looks awesome. You know? And that's... On, on a very base level, I could sit there and be like, yeah, you know, that the narrative is bringing these really complex threads together. I believe we're going to see the interesting ideas of darkness and light and the nuance there. And then there's the part of me that's just like, space lasers! <laughs> I want to see all of this stuff. You know, and that's that's what's so exciting to me about it, is we really are getting to that place where, whilst previously Destiny has had its slower, more personal notes and tones, and whilst there have been wars in Destiny, mm. I don't think there's ever been one quite like this. You know, this is our Mass Effect 3 reclaiming Earth kind of moment, or as it is for us, defending Earth. This is our big fleet battle. This is the cataclysm. This is the moment where it all really comes down. You know, it's... It's going to be amazing for that alone. And on a practical note, like when you from approaching it from a story point of view and thinking about your content, and we've all kind of made content, and, <coughs> and you kind of get that thing of I'm playing a game and I'm enjoying the game. In the back of your head, you're thinking, but I'm going to be making some stuff about this. Are you hitting record as soon as you play? Are you taking notes? Do you get that itchy feeling of oh, I need to put a video together about this as soon as I can? Or how does it work for you? Uh, I'm very weird and different with my content in terms of the fact that as a story focused person, uh, my you know, this is part of why I gave the warning a moment ago. I need to be much more cautious about spoilers. You know, that is a lesson hard learned over 10 plus years worth of YouTube content. So what I actually do is I publish a spoiler free review on day two. Day one is purely, hey, I'm playing through the campaign and blitzing it in the first 24 hours. And then my entire thing is just if I'm going to cover any of this, I need to make it as spoiler proof as possible to make sure that I'm not actually telling people what's going on in the thumbnail or anything like that. Gotcha. So my consideration for content is very different. But also, I think it's fair to say that as a channel that doesn't cover news, which is what most YouTubers will do nowadays, mm. I'm not in this place where immediate access to that content is absolutely required. You know, I'm given a little bit of breathing room to make content that you know, maybe it does have a shelf life, but is mostly evergreen mm. and that people will come back to and that ultimately people will wait for because it's about me forming an opinion and coming to an understanding of what's in the game and making sure that I can tell it to people in as accurate a manner as possible. So in that sense, yeah, there is some pressure being like, oh my God, I really should, you know, I should be making a video every day, which is almost to the plan. You know, there are going to probably be a few days here or there where I don't. But, you know, uh, it's not as 
tense a thing of I should make all these videos in the back of my head all the time. You know, I, I feel as though I can be a little bit more selective and conscientious about it, which is nice. You know, I, I get the ability to sit there and I don't have to throw up all my reactions, although I will at some point because yeah, sure. this, you know, we're probably going to do the campaign playthrough on my channel at some point and uh, upload that in our first time reactions. You get some Destiny 2 me time though, right? That sounds, oh, yeah. it's important, right? You mentioned <laughs> booking the week off work as well, Zoe. Like uh, uh, you saw some quality time with the game as well, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I, I don't um, really make videos. I just live stream. So mm. for me, it's just being on all the time when new content comes out. And uh, like if I'm gaming, I'm streaming. So I'm literally just on leveling for that first week, making plans, mainly That's in the scary. group chats with friends. I'd be, I guess you're putting it, you know, it's so different to what we do. We do, obviously we live stream, but um, you're really putting yourself out there as you're discovering things. And you're kind of saying it takes the pressure off and you get to be a bit more considered. And that's what your audience is looking for. Right? And I guess with you, I like, do you, but is there like a, is there like a, are your audience quite, you know, they're not looking for you. They're not, you, you guys suck. You're like, they're not, you're not worried about putting yourself out there and kind of exploring the game for the first time. Live. This is like a shirt well, that you're talking to. Yeah. I know. Yeah, it's <laughs> not like that. <laughs> well, no, because even, even if stuff does go wrong, then it's just funny. So, that is part of good content. Like, it being mm -hmm. organic. Like, people like to watch people experience stuff for the first time, yeah, too. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, I just, I, I like live streaming. I like people. Like if I make a mistake, people can make fun of me. I don't mind. Well, and if you've carved out that community, which is, you know, responds to that in a positive way as well, then I just, I, you know, I just, I just uh, commend you for putting yourself out there. Mm. Live streaming can be scary. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. With uh, with new content and stuff, I suppose if you're playing like content that's new to you, but not new to everyone else, that's kind of harder because then right. people are coming in and they're trying to tell you opinions. what to do. <laughs> yeah. But when it's new to everyone at that point, then like people are just happy to watch, let you get on with it, Fair. maybe make suggestions. But no, it's not. I don't find that nerve wracking at all. Uh, not with the snacks there as well. No, Everybody. all the snacks. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, sort of like going back to like the, the thing that I think looks really cool and like for the, the, the strand, the, the new subclasses that that offers as well. Uh, and just grappling. I love <laughs> grappling in video oh, games. Uh, the, the movement in Destiny has always been, it's always been like a very sort of agile shooter, like the, you know, the jumping and the gliding, the zipping around on a sparrow. Um, but the grapple looks like it's going to really revolutionise, not just traversal, but combat as well. Like, um, oh, what yeah. does that mean for both of you, do you think? Well, it'll be good for you because you're a warlock. So when you start floating downwards, yes. you can grab onto something now. <laughs> Basically fly. <Wow>. Yes. <laughs> um, As a fellow I, warlock, I resent this. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I, I like warlock. I use it for a lot of harder content. If I'm doing solo stuff, warlock is definitely a good choice. But um, like, if you start going down, you, you you'd going down. You can't get back up. The floof does sometimes fail. <laughs> <laughs> I think with the way the movement is working currently in Destiny, with the way that you have so many momentum tricks to gain all that extra speed, Strand has got its movement speed that it's meant to move at. I think it's going to take the community maybe a week to discover a way to make you zoom across <laughs> any of the game's maps using Strand. I don't know what that's going to involve. I imagine it's going to be something to do with Warlock, but there is a lot to do with momentum that we still don't know. That alone is an exciting aspect of movement for Destiny that may or may not work as advertised. And even if that doesn't figure out in the way it does... 
you could still just attach yourself to a fast-moving object like mm. an enemy ship or a train in the Warden of Nothing strike, or your friend Sparrow, or your friend who's thunder crashing. <laughs> and that in itself is a ridiculous movement tool. And I love that, you know, they've made it totally interactive with the environment, and that's yeah. such a genius move. You know, it makes it... I, I, this is maybe reaching a little bit, but Destiny's mechanics occasionally make it feel like an immersive sim in the sense that you have these tools and they can technically interact in this way. And it's it's on the table. It's one of the many ways you could approach the situation. And it's just really cool when you do actually make that function. I mean, there are, I can't remember what the term is, but this new strand subclass lets you create objects that you can pick up and throw. And if you pick up and throw one of these objects, it detonates and entangles the group of enemies that it hits. That's cool on its own. But as another player is with you, they can grapple to the thing you've thrown. Right, right, and at right, that point, right. you've then not only entangled a group of enemies, you've dropped another player on top of them to deal more damage. And that in itself is just an awesome idea as far as combat goes, and even as far as exploration goes. But you know, one thing we haven't spoken about at all, and I just want to mention it in regards to kind of grappling and strand, is... Um, uh, PvP, like, and I don't know if either of you are, but like, I was about to say because it's going to make this it's going to be PvP it's gonna crazy. Be messy. Right? It's gonna, oh, yeah. it's going to be it's going to be a mess. That's that's for sure. Literally, you just gave me an idea while you were talking about it. <laughs> I was thinking about PvP. I was like, imagine grappling onto a thunder crashing titan, but you've got your shotgun equipped, so it just comes out when you get there. It goes thunder crash into the team, and then your your teammates there already going poof, 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 for the shotgun. You're ready to clean up. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be so funny. Uh, I love hearing you describe stuff like this because. This is the kind of thing that I will be on the receiving end of <laughs> and not understand what the hell has happened. I'll just be running around and all of a sudden I'll just be dead and I won't even know why it was cool. Like, <laughs> so I'm glad to get like a little bit of insight into what actually happens when like an expert level PvP player oh, takes I'm me out. definitely not an expert PvP player. PvE, yeah, I'm pretty good. PvP is hard. It's all relative though, mm. isn't it? It's all relative. Oh yeah. I can see it right now. Zoe's teammate crashes in there. Everyone's just disintegrated immediately. The last player on the team is looking there and being like, who are you? <laughs> and Zoe walks up and says, they're the lightning and the thunder. <laughs> Seriously, it's going to be amazing. Trash talk. You have to have trash talk with these moves. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, just also, <laughs> I want to talk about the new setting because you alluded to it a bit earlier, by about the sort of, just the variety of not just settings, not just all the various planets we've been to over the course of the story so far but the different sort of tone and vibe of each of these stories. We've got this very sort of neon cyberpunk feel with uh, Neo Muna, which is this secret city on the planet of Neptune. Um, how exciting is that setting for both of you? I I'm excited. The one thing Destiny has always done insanely well is the art. Like the, yeah. every, mm. everything in the game is just beautiful. Yeah. Always has been, and this is just continuing that. Bungie's art team always knocks it out of the park, and Neo Muna is no exception whatsoever. And... Uh, they've made a conscious effort by the looks of things to keep the environments varied even inside the theme of a city mm. and that even goes as far as having I, I remember from the vidoc they're talking about beaches made of diamonds you Ooh. know and how you can at one point go inside a lost sector that's an old arcade and yeah, filled with ddr machines and probably a old copy of time crisis three <laughs> on one of the things, you know? i do agree like it is a you know i remember way back I just remember going to the moon for the first time in, in Destiny 1, just that sort of like sense of awe, mm. just of exploring the place. Like, it, it, you are right, like, it, 
they Bungie does that so well, like uh, bringing these places to life and making them feel, giving them an atmosphere and making them feel exciting to explore. Like mm. I honestly can't wait. Not easy for two destinations in Destiny to feel the same. You know, there are some that pull on similar threads and themes, but I mean, even if you look at something like, say, Savathun's Throne World and Oryx's Throne World, the Dreadnought from D1, mm. they are two totally divergent spaces with two totally different vibes. And yet they're pulling from a lot of the same hive ideas, you know? You could say the same about almost anything in Destiny. I'd say most mundane, you know? You get the EDZ and the Cosmodrome. And even the Cosmodrome is neat and cool because it's just a massive, old, broken-down, plane and ship-breaking yard, and it's filled with rust and old technology. Whereas the EDZ is just, you know, ye old town in German mountains. And yeah. if that's the most that our variation fails us in Destiny, and then you look at something like Neomuna that is this neon punk skyscraper filled metropolis I mean that's a pretty good place to be as far as the artistic variety of a game goes it's very different co uh, to like all most of the other planets as well like the only thing it even looks a little similar to is Scourge but that's only because mm. of the skyscrapers yeah and we've never this is actually a totally separate thing because it's just not been in the setting of destiny before but we've never technically been to a city i mean yeah. like some of the bits of the interior of titan technically get close but this is a city city you know people clearly live here on mass this is a place where there is industry and technology and it's a th literally a thriving metropolis up until the point where we crash the party <laughs> along with the darkness so you know it yeah it's totally new in that respect you're absolutely correct um, just before we go into our interview where, Nathan, you spoke to James Sy, the creative director at Bungie, yes. I just want to talk about The Witness, especially get your take on The Witness, Bife, because it's so different to any of the sort of typical Destiny, you know, they come in with their big, deep voices and they're all scared, <laughs> these massive, like, aliens. There's something, like, really eerie about like The Witness. commanding presence. Like, yeah, just sort of, mm. like... I'm fascinated. Like it's a charisma as well. Like, uh, as and it's like a, for me, a destiny villain that feels unlike any other destiny villain. This is this may initially sound like I'm using a bad word, so let me put the description in context. I think the witness is boredom, not boredom in the sense of it's a boring villain. I think that they see everything in front of them. Us, the rest of the guardians all the forces we've put at our side, I think that we are so meager and so weak in comparison that they just don't care about us. And they have very little reason to care about us. They've reached out and tried to extend olive branches in the form of corrupting influences like stasis, but it's never been one of these moments at which it was truly necessary from their perspective, I feel. And you can tell how powerful they are from what some of the things they've done previously. Mm. I mean... This is an enemy that, when they arrived in the system, shut down Rasputin, this massive supercomputer AI that spans the entirety of Destiny's solar system, practically with a wave of its hand, and has made no further attempts. It was like it was pushing away a stubborn child, you know? And that kind of level of almost, you know, not impatience, but sort of just being done with the rest of this fight puts them on another level. It's not even an arrogant assumption. It's this point at which the witness gets to sit there and it essentially says to us, you are all beneath me and I am here for a bigger purpose than anything you might present. And 
you are minnows before me. There's nothing that you can realistically do to stop me. It's just a matter of time and pacing out those steps until I reach my objective. It's, you know, it's going after the Traveler. It's all about the real end game. And whilst it may not be the darkness, which is story revelation stuff that we've seen more recently out of Bungie and their trailers, it's very clear that it has objectives that really do impact things on the level of this will change the universe, this will change the way everything works. You know, it's not concerned about us as individuals. It is thinking in bigger terms. And that's the really scary thing, I think, about The Witness. It, you know, it's nothing to tell you the power level of an enemy when they sit there and they look at you and they're like, okay, whatever. You know, <laughs> it's, they, you know, it's... If, if an enemy is sitting there and is practically ignoring you, it really is that... Uh, I mean, you know, imagine if Scarlet Witch didn't have the power in Endgame and Thanos did say, I don't even know who you are, and then just <laughs> batted her aside. And that's, that's, that's where the witness is at, right? Like, I think it's all right. Scary it's enemy. I think it's a good idea to... I rank enemies on how much their demeanor makes me want to fight and beat them. And, oh, that, yeah. is, and that very much is like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm. I'm going to get you. <laughs> so, Yeah, it's uh, like... Oh, I feel as though, you know, a titan could punch the witness and nothing would happen. The witness just slowly looks down. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't even react at first. The titan just backs away and is like, oh no. Oh, <laughs> oh I've, I've made a mistake, you know. But we're going to be it, right? Oh, I, I, I hope so. <laughs> the witness is going down eventually. That's like the thing. I mean, look, listen, the expansion is called Lightfall. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, well, I think I think we've had a, a great chat about Lightfall. Like I, like I said, it's like massively exciting. I think, well, for for guys like you, but also for lapsed players, it feels like. And we've been talking a lot about Marvel as well, but it does feel like we're building towards that Avengers mm -hmm. Infinity War Endgame sort of moment with Destiny Two, which is massively exciting. Uh, but even more exciting, perhaps, Nath, you yes. recently got to speak with James Sai, the creative director at Bungie yeah. to talk all things well not just Lightfall but also he shared a, a little bit like we've been talking today he shared some memories about um, well we shouldn't talk too much about it Rob we should, we should what we should do is pass over to that conversation and let him describe those things for himself let's do it I want to ask a little bit about your history with Destiny kind of professionally and as a player but first of all do you remember what you were doing when you first heard that you were going to be going to Bungie to work on Destiny? It was a whirlwind. Uh, I was, you know, already working in the industry. I was working at a different company and had been a longtime Halo fan. And I think I was just, uh, I, was, I was in the middle of a battlefield match actually with, with some friends and I, I just stopped playing and I was like so excited. And I think I just like, watched myself die on, on screen a bunch of times you know, while that was happening. Uh, I was calling people, just telling people I was coming out to Seattle, and I was super excited. Probably the, the biggest news I had gotten, you know, like in, in a long time. It was life-changing. And as well as, and I guess as well as, hopefully anyway, uh, as well as making Destiny, you're kind of a, a big player. I'm hoping you're a big player. Have you got like a standout memory from your time playing either Destiny 1 or Destiny 2 or an era that was particularly kind of summed up your experience with the game? Yeah, I mean, Destiny has been going for so long. I actually have a lot of great memories, both as a player and a developer. 
Um, you know, I, I think there's really always the big moments, you know, like the first time, you know, like you take down Oryx, mm. that was like a huge, huge thing for me, especially because I don't consider myself a very high skill player in terms of like controller dexterity and things. So, you know, like accomplishing those big things is, is, is really great for me, you know. Um, but there's also just like funny stuff that happens along the way. Um, you know, like I, I remember um, in, in Destiny 1 uh, when we were uh uh, getting the exotic swords and, and there's a step in that quest to get the exotic sword which is like go get 25 kills with your sword in crucible yeah i am hot garbage <laughs> in pvp i am like i am like i actually don't have to pay attention to the meta because i'm so far below the meta <laughs> skill level that it's just all <laughs> like i'm just like a sacrificial lamb in there anyway and so i was just like oh gosh this is gonna be just like Terrible. I don't know how I'm going to get this sword. Um, so my friends and I, we 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 were, we're playing that night, and we get into a match. And um, the first thing that happens is this this player, this total stranger, just runs up to me, does nothing but just emotes and bows, and just stands there, just what's going on? And so I just hit him with the sword, and they go down. And then I realize like everybody's doing that in the match, right? It's just like, everybody's just cooperating and helping everybody get their 25 sword kills. And it's hilarious because I have like this thing that I'm dreading and I just go in and strangers are just like, we're, we're just laughing and just like running around the map and just like, you know, hitting each other with the sword hilts and everything. And, um, you know, after we got our 25, we're like, hey, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta return the favor. So we just stayed in the playlist all night and just like giving ourselves up to other, uh, other players and letting them uh, strike us down too. And it's just small things like that that really, you know, it was one night, it was a few hours, but it was just hilarious, you know. I love that. I love that it kind of, you know, those moments where players find ways to communicate beyond what the game has set up, but it's obviously enabled by the game and what it's asking you to do. That's like a, what a sign of a community that is. That's brilliant. Yeah. I Actually, on the on the kind of subject of the community, it's, it's played a huge part in Destiny over the years and uh you know, and they're not afraid of um, being vocal about the things that they don't like as much as the things that they do like. But and, and someone who's been there from the beginning, kind of your thoughts on how that Destiny community has kind of grown over the years? The community has always been, uh, you know, the, the, the community is where the stars of Destiny really are. Uh, they have been with us through thick and thin, uh, through the good times and, and the rough times of Destiny as we've like really understood what it means to uh, to have this, you know, this game uh, at, you know, like just running all the time for people and just constantly evolving the experience. Um, it's been just fantastic actually to have um, this passionate core of players that gives us feedback, has helped us actually make the, the game better over time, you know, both through like, you know, giving us feedback, you know, the, online or, or coming out to the studio, um, you know, like um, for certain summits that we have with, with um, you know, certain certain players or influencers, um, you know, getting to meet people at events and stuff and, and, and listening to what they have to, to say. Um, it really has shaped Destiny for the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we're, we're really appreciative of, of that. Um, I really also love how like the community is where the expertise of the game really lies i mean that's where that's where like the guides are, are being made that's where players are like evaluating all the weapons and putting out like all these all this analysis of like hey this is the build you want to be running these are the mods you want to slot this is the role of the weapon um just there's so much extensive knowledge out there for players that is coming from the community and not from the studio itself mm-hmm. um you know they, they and and that's really um rewarding to see 
is it possible for you, can you try and kind of summarize, you know, what's the difference now between maybe Destiny 2 at launch versus Destiny 2 as, as Bungie is trying to make it now with everything that you've learned over the, the period of time that it's been going on? So I think with Destiny, when we started this journey, we wanted it to be a definitive shooter journey uh, for players. We wanted it to have, uh, to, to be this story about your guardian in um in the universe, you know, doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that vision has actually been able to persist through um, through, through the, the multiple iterations of Destiny. But I think we've also seen that, like, you know, we've completely changed our, our model. We went from, like, you know, like putting out, like, a really big singular release and, and, and having, you know, just, like, traditional DLC to that to now, like, this free-to-play model with, uh, with, with you know, a, a, season, a seasonal um, layer on top of that and then an annual layer on top of that. Um, we're finding ways to weave um, different stories into that. And I think the way we approach our storytelling, the way we approach, uh, like, our build crafting and all that has, like, just completely changed. So I would say the biggest lesson that we learned in Destiny as we were building it was that we have to stay reactive. We have to, you know, be constantly listening. We have to be willing to adjust our approach. And we do have to change the game over time to uh, keep our players happy and to be making it as you know, as incredible an experience for them as they deserve. And, and actually, you kind of mentioned uh, something I wanted to ask. And I know it's not as simple as there's story that goes into the game and there's gameplay that goes into the game. But I can see how in trying to evolve Destiny to... Um, keep up with the expectations of the audience as you just kind of mentioned that might not always pull in the same direction as you know there might be a particular story or an idea that um, somebody in the studio has or the story team has and they want to put it in that direction how do you make the two live together because what makes for a great story isn't necessarily the things which will make destiny 2 the best game it can be is there a push and pull there or is it does it flow nicely together oh there's absolutely a push and pull i think any great uh creative project with, you know, hundreds of really, really like intelligent, passionate people working on it is going to have, um, you know, a level of tension as goals go in one direction or the other. You know, there, there's going to be a time where we we really need like a dramatic story element to, to happen, but it might, you know, cut against the grain of what our, our engine is really good at doing, you know, at the time. Um, there might be like a really, you know, like, a dramatic moment we want to have, but we also have to account for, you know, the, the fact that you could have multiple players in your fire team, you know, some of whom are like emoting in full view of the camera. And you're always trying to resolve those interesting things. I, I feel like the identity of a project is really shaped by how you, um, how you resolve those interesting um, contradiction and the contradictions and those like conflicting goals and how you hold those two separate values in in a in a really interesting tension and balance and one of the things I, w- I wanted to move us along to um lightfall now uh, it's the kind of the big uh, expansion which is which is coming up and um i guess i, I i'm interested to know for for players who like me um who perhaps used to play a lot of destiny 2 and uh have for one reason or another fallen away what is it about lightfall that makes it a good place to jump back in so lightfall for one thing is just like this raucous like celebration of of destiny it's it the, the project is 
this uh, big action movie vibe, um, you know, big explosions, a ton of a ton of combat, you know, uh, lots of one liners, that kind of thing. So I think in terms of like just the the, the overall vibe of the, of the expansion, it's a fun one to to kind of uh, get back into. Um, you know, Destiny's been pretty heavy since Forsaken with its storytelling and stuff, and so um, there's some there, there's a lot of moments in this one that are just big action, you know, levity. Um, you know, over the top moments. Um, I think as a player, another key thing that we're, we're doing in Lightfall though is um, we're introducing like the Guardian Ranks uh, progression system. And this is something that really helps players understand what's like the most important thing I should be doing in Destiny right now. What, what, what are the key things, the key features that I can engage with that are gonna help my progression and my understanding as I, you know, go from being a new player all the way up to being like a really experienced raider. Um, so it, it, it's something that helps you prioritize and helps you understand like, oh, okay, these are the systems that I should really learn. And it gives you objectives like, you know, like whether it's crafting or build crafting or, or, or you know, like, or things like that, or, or even, you know, like social engagement um, or, you know, like meeting other players, um, you know, that that's all something that's gonna be, uh, uh, sorted out for you and 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 prioritized um through guardian ranks um there's also just uh we're doing a lot of like quality of life improvements uh now both you know with the launch of lightfall but also kind of ongoing you know we, we've like done things like getting rid of blues we're doing stuff with mods you know we have a, a mod manager and like loadouts coming online which are going to help players um really experiment more with build crafting in a more accessible organized way and then so they can like kind of create different different version or different gear sets that you know they can take for like oh this is my pvp gear set this is my raid gear set and um hopefully it just makes the build crafting more accessible to players there is a big uh almost a decade's worth now of kind of history and story that's gone into the destiny universe um and i you know i don't know exactly what's coming up with the next uh, two expansions which have been um announced and talked about but it looks like we're getting towards maybe a climax for this kind of story of light and darkness which uh which destiny has been telling for almost a decade and that must that must mean feelings for you and the rest of the uh, uh the team at bungie and i'm just kind of wondering what that what that means to you um yeah and kind of what that what it's like for you and the team yeah it, i mean it, it means so much um first just to have you know success with the project to be able to see the story from like the beginning up to this point has been, you know, I mean, it's something that we we're so thankful for here. Uh, we don't we don't take it for granted at all. We 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 appreciate and love uh, our players so much for supporting us for all these years and coming along uh, coming along with us on, on this ride. Um, but yeah, it, it is it is pretty remarkable when you when you sit back and think about it. Sometimes we're so busy, uh, you know, like telling the story that we, we, we don't get to reflect on how far we've come with it. Um, you know, at the start of, um, of destiny, you know, it was, there were some really straightforward principles, you know, it was like light was good. Darkness was bad. And, and the, the traveler was this thing that we loved, you know, and, and we, we, we felt that like, you know, we have to defend humanity against all these, these combatant races. Yeah. As we've gone, you know, we've seen more, we, we've, we've gone out and explored darkness more, uh, we've made, you know, like allies in, you know, combatant factions that we never guessed we would have. Um, and that's been like this really, uh, really fulfilling, like deepening of the Destiny universe that, uh, that I, I've personally enjoyed. Um, at the same time, I think 
it's really important to us to make sure that the player always feels like they, you know, they can identify with their guardian and they always can um, appreciate and believe in what they're doing in the game. So for us, even as we've gone in and we've explored like finding allies amongst former adversaries and things, uh, having a, a, this really um, overarching villain in the witness that, you know, you know, this is unequivocally the 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 There's no breaking the, bread with the witness yeah and, and having that and, and so making sure that even as you know this nuance and 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 these these new story threads are um are explored that you feel like you are the guardian that you've always wanted to be uh that that's really important to us and just again i i think you know i do get a little emotional when i think about you know like all the places we've been with the story and you know all the different people at bungie who have helped tell that story it, it's um it's just there's so many uh you know people that that just bring their best selves to work every day and just try and make this universe compelling and it, it's it's been um it's just been such an honor and a privilege to be a part of amazing cool well thanks james i'm look i'm really really looking forward to to getting stuck back into the game with lightfall and thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today yeah thank you so much we appreciate it well thank you very much nath for that interview that was uh james Sy, the creative director at bungie and before we wrap up the podcast i think we should just pick out one thing about lightfall that has you the most excited if you had to just pick one thing about this new expansion that's coming because it's you know it's doing a lot of things in terms of there's a lot of quality of life improvements as well some of the things that the community has been asking for for a very long time like is it that that's got you most excited or is it grappling and fighting on a new planet that had, that you know has got you most hyped um, being able to sort out um loadouts in game and stuff mm. which is coming soon mm. um yep. will make like is a huge quality of life update I have like a really silly little thing that I'm excited for after seeing the the trailers is um, there's some boots on the Titan and with Strand you can lift the enemies up in the air and they kind of just end up sat there. I just want to do that. I'm not even going to kill them after. I'm just going to be like, nah, 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 nah. I did think, though, for you that the loadouts thing would be like when you start talking about, you know, wh- whichever gun, for whichever room I'm in, that's like my, you know, whichever one works, I did think, okay, yeah, that's I can yeah. see you being someone with... And you can actually, like a big thing is you're going to be able to do it while you're in activities, which is not something we've been able to do before. Mm. Like transferring weapons to your character while you're in activities is harder. Absolutely, loadouts, Mm. like 100%. But I think narratively speaking, and this is a very, this is a super deep niche thing, but I think it's going to be very important. Uh, Rasputin's final words to us uh, noted that somewhere on Neptune is this powerful thing called the Veil. We don't know if it's a thing or if it's an enemy faction or if it's a place. This has been something that has been rumored about for years in Destiny. And it's supposed to be something that is to do with true core darkness. We have never had any real look under the hood at what that means. We've had hints and whispers and leaks and rumors which can't necessarily be trusted. And we finally get to unveil what that is. That for me is a huge story beat that I imagine has to come up in Lightfall. And when it does, I think we're all going to see one of the more defining moments of the story. Because if we do end up seeing some kind of true entity of darkness that is perhaps even more powerful than the Witness, or if we do see some force that rivals the Traveler in some other fashion, I think that's going to be a moment to behold. You know, that's going to be 
I keep referring to Mass Effect 3, but mm. it's going to be like the Leviathan DLC in Mass Effect 3, where you start to truly understand the origin of all these things. It is going to be like the moments when Shepard sits and talks with Reapers. It's going to be something unlike anything else, I think. And when we do finally unearth what that is, I think that's going to be something that players will remember for a very long time. I just want you, Rob, to have to say my magic grapple after that really good I was literally about to say, well, I'm just excited for the grapples. (laughs) Just want to do the grapples. Uh, I just think it looks amazing. I'm... (laughs) It is scientifically proven that having a grapple to a game makes it 23% more enjoyable. Yeah. I think I would believe that statistic. Mm -hmm. I genuinely think, think, like, uh, I mean, I think we should get the fire team back together, Nath. Who's that? Just me and you. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> Dave stubbornly refuses to be an alpha. Yeah, he's team. always been like, oh, I've missed out on Destiny 2. I'll come game with back. you guys. I'll be your third. Oh, please. That would be amazing. I was going to talk to you about Guide There's us. some content that <laughs> I've not finished. Help us through the raid. Oh, yeah. um, I'll take you through some amazing. of the older ones if you haven't done them. Oh, yes, please. That would be, yeah, that yeah genuinely, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Um, like, like, I love doing that. I like helping <laughs> people. It's nice watching people experience it for the first time. It was all I was thinking. When you were saying you took, like, a, a, someone who'd never played games, Games. I was like that. Basically, that's me for some of these bits of content. So. You know how when you like watch a movie and then you say, "I wish I could experience that again for the first time." Yeah, but it's like yeah. me teaching people is like me getting to experience it right, again yeah. for the first 100%. time. Yeah, yeah. Like Absolutely. my friend was calling Sparrow's little bi- uh, flying bikes. I was like, "Oh my god, that's adorable!" <laughs> <laughs> Just feeding off people's like first time. Through yeah, it's so oh, good. Yeah, oh, Absolutely, cool. I, I can't I can't agree more with Zoe. And I, you know, anybody who's doing a raid with just two people is a more than safe pair of hands. Uh, I'm just going to tag three things onto that, you know, if you're going to do any raids. Last Wish, Vow the Disciple, those those are my top two. Do those ones. You will not regret it. In one of them, spoiler alert, you fight a dragon. I'm just going to let you know it's and then the other one you get booted in the face excellent (laughs) yeah it's it's fantastic it's really good well zoe bife it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you thank you so much for being on the playstation access podcast oh thank you for having us thank you destiny 2 lightful releases on the 28th of February on PS4 and PS5 with the new raid coming on March the 10th I'm going to be tuning in to see Zoe doing it on day one, I think. <laughs> um, please let us know if you're going to be picking it up. Thank you very much for watching and listening. We will be back next week with another episode of the PlayStation Access podcast. We'll see you then.